Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bijou Podcasts. This is episode 36 of the Stacey June Show. Today, my guests Katia and Vera are the founders of the celebrated sustainable activewear brand Nimble. Stace here. Welcome back to another episode of the Stacey June Show. It is an interview episode today and I sit down with Katia Santilli and Vera Yang, the founders of Nimble. Nimble is an activewear brand that is doing incredible things in terms of their sustainability plan for the environment and the way they make their products and materials. And I was really interested to sit down and talk to the girls about this, which I'll explain a little bit more in a second. I'm excited for you to hear this chat. I want to just check in with you, see how you're going. Have you had a big breath today? Do you need to just have a minute? Are you are you laughing? Have you laughed? Have you kind of cracked a bit of a smile in a serious day or are you looking to maybe get some serious on because you've kind of taken the piss of the day for most of it? Whatever it is, uh, let's just check in with ourselves. For me, I've been a bit bratty. I actually recorded this intro and had to re-record it and it's taken me a really long time to drag my feet back into the studio, to be honest. I am finding there's a bit of resistance to... I don't know, just kind of getting stuff done at the moment for me. I don't know if it's the weather uh, coming off the back of the flu and feeling quite exhausted still. My energy levels are a bit zapped, but I'm pretty vibrant and pretty happy once I arrive. So I think there's just a bit of discipline stuff that I have to work in that I'm sure I will weasel into a self-centered Sunday episode at some point. I wanted to talk to my two guests today uh, because I've really started to consciously have much more appreciation to people that are creating conversation around climate change first and foremost, but more so everyday, uh, I guess, awareness and contribution to how we can help our environment. And it may not be that you are some kind of Al Gore um, follower and, and classify yourself as a greenie. And these girls certainly don't don't classify themselves as that kind of, I guess, title. But what I found really interesting was is there was an opportunity for them to inquire and be and be quite curious about the ways that they could create and and create change in the way that they contributed to the environment through the fashion industry and really investigated into what their options were. And they will go into this in more detail, but it was something like 94,000 plastic bottles were saved from landfill because of the, the, I guess, process that they have adopted within their company to create their materials. They'll go into detail as to how they transform uh, plastic, use plastic water bottles into 
act the activewear that you may buy online and and the 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 website is nimbleactivewear.com and you can find them at nimbleactivewear on Instagram if you want to check them out uh, but I I found the girls really fascinating because like I said they didn't really come across like they were classifying themselves as the answer to sustainability and sustainable business and the way that you can change the fashion industry I more took them as two chicks that were mates that have started their own business and were conscious and asked questions about how they could do their bit. And I think we can really take a lot from this chat because they didn't start the business to get some kind of a environmentally friendly PR spin on what they wanted to do. They started an activewear business and then started to discover more about what the industry was contributing to the landfill issue and the fashion industry and and in order for them to consciously and and really uh, I guess honestly go into building a business they wanted to be able to contribute to ways to better those elements of the fashion industry as opposed to you know just being another person that plays in the game that adds to the problem. These chicks are smart. I mean, Katia comes from a fashion industry and background. It sounds like she's done some incredible work in that industry. And Vera was a lawyer. They've been friends for a gazillion years, raised in Melbourne and now live in Bondi Beach. They're the real deal. But I ask them about everyday tips that we can do to start being much more conscious with the way that we approach our, our, our contribution. And I don't think it is anything that you will be surprised at, but it is really simple for you to activate from today. And I think climate change, the conversation around environment, what's happening, it can be really intimidating, much like politics, because it's become a political conversation. But the girls really open up and talk about how this is actually not a political conversation. It's a a human conversation. It's a community conversation. And it's really easy to begin with some small changes in your own home. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let them know you've heard her here, heard them here if you enjoyed it. Uh, a rating and review on wherever you get your podcast is always incredibly helpful. And I, I really love to hear what you think of this kind of, um, I guess, inquiry into a new topic for me. I'm learning along with all of the guests uh, like you are and I'm, I'm really super excited to kind of take it to socials in a couple of weeks and ask who you'd like to hear from next in a second batch for the year of similar people to these these women and and really looking at people that are living consciously in their own way and then seeing how we can adopt and adapt our lives to be able to learn and be inspired by people that are doing it their way you know I, I'm really I'm really um, inspired by these chicks after the chat so I hope that you enjoy this episode and I will throw it over to them this is Katia and Vera Um, so Vera and I grew up together in Melbourne. Um, we met at high school in year eight where um, when I moved across to MLC, um, we were inseparable, I think, since I joined in year eight. So um, you guys grew up in Melbourne? Yes, we right. did. We and did. you both live in Sydney? We both yeah, live in right. Sydney now um, and I guess career opportunities moved us up here. But um, yeah, so down in Melbourne, um, we're always known as Cardi and Vera. We wouldn't go anywhere without each other, um, whether it was like parties, shopping, whatnot. Um, and then 
we were both quite I wouldn't say quite different in a way. Um, you know, we're really complementary to one another, especially in business, really complementary skill sets. Um, where my weaknesses are, that's Vera's strengths and mm. vice versa. Mm. And I guess from after high school, we both pursued very different careers. I went off to London and Vera came up to Sydney to pursue a very corporate career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we came together a few years ago to start Nimble. Mm, wow. And so when you decide to start a brand, was was the the environmental sustainability part of the business the beginning or was it a, did it evolve once you started to get involved with production and see how a business like yours is ran and then you started to think a bit more responsibly yeah um yeah for us it definitely wasn't at the beginning I think um you know Vera and I haven't been you know big activists or greenies but um Doing the business, we really noticed how much unnecessary packaging was out there um, and learning that the fashion industry was one of the biggest polluting industries Mm. globally. Mm. Um, And we just wanted to make um, a little bit of change to our daily practices. So it actually only started around two and a half years ago. Um, We've got a production team on the ground in Taiwan and we were chatting to them about how we can make more sustainable clothing or bring an element of sustainability into our fabrics. And that's when we started the development of our compressed light fabric, Mm -hmm. which uses post-consumer use recycled bottles, and Mm -hmm. it turns that into fabric. Um, And with the evolution of that, um, we've just looked at other um, packaging and business practices as well. Mm. Mm. So where does an interest like that begin? Because so many people, I think, would like to be more environmentally friendly, Mm -hmm. but don't classify themselves as a greenie, so then don't move. I mean, I don't even think there's people requesting compost bins from their council Mm -hmm. because they probably don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. If if you two aren't greenies as such or didn't start from that place, where did that conversation, apart from obviously the fashion industry and you seeing it, but where did that, that what, what gave you that boost to kind of move forward and actually try and activate, an, I guess, an interest level? I think part of it is knowledge. Um, as Cardi was saying, and we became more aware of how polluting the industry was and how much waste there was. And as you become more knowledgeable, mm. you become more passionate about these things and you connect with them and you make small changes. I think mm. also for us, we live in Bondi um, and that community there is so passionate about the ocean and waste and you know from little things like you go into all of the cafes and there's a discount for using a reusable coffee cup it's like little changes like that Mm -hmm. for us you know we were fortunate in that at the same time that we were becoming more educated and aware of the waste in our industry our immediate surroundings around us were becoming more cognizant of the impact of these single-use plastics or papers or things like that and that by hooking into that community, it helped us make the little changes as well. And I think we have a team yep. that is also really passionate about this. And mm-hmm. um, so we kind of all spur each other on. Mm. Um, yep. 
I don't think it's, you know, if, if getting a compostable, <laughs> getting a worm farm is too huge a step, don't get a worm farm. You haven't failed if your thing is just one day a week, you use your reusable cup and then from there I think it grows. Yeah. Mm, mm. So the curiosity level goes to knowledge and then the small actions turn into a bigger contribution yeah. essentially is what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we got to see a lot of it firsthand. Like I right. remember this moment one day being in store where we had a big delivery come in and I was helping because it was big. We needed all hands on deck. So I was helping the store girls unpack it. And you're literally individually taking out each garment from a plastic, plastic bag. Yeah. And I saw all this plastic turning into a mountain on the floor and I was actually embarrassed mm. and I'm like we are just one store one delivery at the moment think about all the other retailers globally so mm. for me it was like this switch like there has to be something that we can you know do something better that we're not contributing to all this plastic something that <clears throat> you know at least we can look into it decomposes in landfill or someone can put that plastic into their compost and it um, decomposes how much of it starts in your opinion with the kind of person you are because I think even the fact that you choose to live in a place like Bondi and everybody mm -hmm. that doesn't live in Sydney or is unaware of Bondi from the outside it looks like this kind of really cool um, uber kind of hip place to live very expensive um, but there is a real conscious pulse behind the community at Bondi and I suppose that's a choice from who you are as mm -hmm. people. How much do you think is your interest levels and in who you are as a conscious human and how you live your life that then stems into an interest level of the environment? I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't say that growing up I've ever been a particularly conscious person in that way. I think there are other things I value that also speak to being conscious mm -hmm. and that's you know, your morals and um, how you approach life and that kind of thing. I also think it is a bit of nature and nurture by um, being aware of this and surrounding yourself in a community where people are aware. You naturally, if you are someone that is open to taking on ideas and opinions and being educated, you kind mm -hmm. of take that on yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think it's education and from a young level I know um even when I go over to Taiwan to um look at all of our production um over <laughs> there they recycle things so thoroughly really yes like their recycling system is amazing and it's taught like apartment blocks will have certain bins for general waste mm -hmm. they'll have waste for food scraps um, different type of plastics, paper. When you walk around the wow. streets, there's no just general rubbish bins because everyone owns their rubbish mm -hmm. and you're supposed to dispose of it correctly. Right. So it's like... Um, you take it home almost. Yeah, yeah you take right. it home, you properly rinse out your container and then things get recycled properly. So it's, you know, it's exposure at such a young level as mm. well and they were quite shocked in Australia that, you know, we don't you know take pride in and not necessarily pride but we don't know, know to take how to yeah, yeah how to dispose yeah. of it and the infrastructure as well well there was such a big yeah. conversation around plastic bags in supermarkets and it's yeah. interesting because that was such an interesting example i do a segment on sunrise once a week and some of the stories get rolled out you know like three months later you're talking about the same thing yeah. and you realize wow 
is it that the community is fighting back at or resisting change mm-hmm. like this or are we just being dumbed down mm-hmm. to have this be such a slow process? I don't know if you guys found that, but that supermarket bag conversation went on for like, what, a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the transition was around a year b- yeah. before they actually put yeah. their foot down. They reject. They came back into the conversation mm-hmm. and went, oh, shit, we've, we've gone too quick with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which one do you think it is? Do you think that it is, as a, a society, we are a little bit slow to adapt with this or do you think that we actually are a little bit babied? I think it's – and forgive me if I've understood the – question yeah. or the point wrong yeah. but I think it's different for different businesses as well uh-huh. the plastic bag conversation there were some businesses that definitely adopted that early yeah and right. then there are some businesses that were you know part of the game but for whatever reason bureaucracy or whatnot sort of it took them a lot longer than a much slower churning machine and it took them a lot longer to pick up on that I understand um, what you mean yeah like supermarkets for example yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and for whatever reason their businesses are structured a certain way where they can't move as quickly mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I do think as a community we're certainly seeing people really engaging with us on all of the sustainability um, content people are interested people mm-hmm. want to learn more yeah. and people also keep us accountable we get dms all the time about and we're you know which is what spurs us on to okay how can we do this better you know people ask us about our mailer bags um, and they're currently they are plastic because we haven't found a different alternative that works in our business yet we are mm-hmm. working hard behind the scenes mm-hmm. however if someone's package arrives to them and it's decomposed or you know like you have to make sure you're servicing your customer but our customers are constantly keeping us honest as well which is what we really love which is cool because that's essentially that's a community you've built as well as a consumer right they're shaping this brand with us you know i think we want all of our community to come on this journey with us because without them we wouldn't have a brand or a business and for them to be part of the process of reducing our sort of impact on the earth a little bit it's great so how has it evolved for you to become a non-greenie to now a spokesperson for sustainability because when we were talking off air both of you guys were very felt very similar to myself in that I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing is contributing enough I'm trying my hardest to be curious and to kind of evolve with this conversation but I certainly don't classify myself as some person yeah. that's now an expertise in climate change or yeah. environmental studies. Mm-hmm. How have you evolved and has the business actually taken you to new places that you didn't think personally you would get to if you didn't have it? I think, yes, I, we're, I think we've still got so much we want to be doing and I think Thing, like development takes time and what's right for our business but I also think like you know Vera and I are business owners and we've decided we want to like instill like sustainability as a value in our culture mm. and so that's for our, like our team as well and it kind of like has to stem from us too so yes we're evolving with it but it's about, about like mindful practices as well like you know we like to think that when we have team meetings, like we live in a digital age, it's like instead of printing out paper, it's like plug your laptop onto the screen and mm-hmm. let's like drive it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we definitely are evolving. There's still a lot more we want to be doing. Um, and it's hard when there's no real roadmap out there as mm-hmm. well. Like, um, you know, you do have to ask around, you have to work with your suppliers. Also, we need to be choosing suppliers that 
want to work with us on this because mm. there's a lot of suppliers out there that don't have you know maybe similar a bit more, values. yeah similar yeah. values to the practices yeah. we want to take so oh my gosh it's it's always evolving for mm. us mm. yeah and and when was the moment where you started to or was there a moment where you obviously had your own business plan you had an idea that you wanted to get into this industry when you started it and you've said that the uh the, the conversation around sustainable products and the way that you've mm-hmm. now resulted in doing business wasn't the original plan was there a moment where you had to let go of essentially what your original plans were because this evolved to be a more of a part of your business than you realized or was there always kind of a consciousness about the way you would do things so it wasn't such a big shift I think coming back to that last point about the way that you do things I think if we look back I guess retrospectively at how we've set up the business and how we've gone about building a business that hasn't changed and that really ties into the sustainability element I think for us sustainability is the environmental impact but beyond that more broadly we've made a choice in how we choose to do business and how we choose to build this business and for us that is sustainably in the sense that we haven't gone out there and raised a lot of capital we've self-funded it and we're really making sure that our profits are there to fund the growth Mm. and that in itself allows us to build a sustainable business I guess in the long term so that you're profitable we can build our voice and build our influence and use that platform as we grow to be able to sort of spread these different messages that for us and our team it's important right so that so this conversation not as specifically driven around environment but sustainability and that kind of approach was an early days I suppose aim for you guys what what other business I guess structural ideas or kind of setting up your brand did you begin with that has has really has stuck with you Mm. through the whole evolution of your business our logo (laughs) (laughs) that's really stuck with us um I think look the foundations are there the two of us I think for us it's like a family if the husband and the wife are happy yeah everyone else is sort of happy through yeah, that right and fundamentally our products yes we've bought sustainable elements into our products yeah. but you know in terms of like look functionality um intent of our products that definitely has not changed and we have not changed our direction with that yeah what's adapted in is like sustainable fabrication and Mm. where can we bring that into our fabrics Mm. so when you started as two mates starting a business where does that conversation begin from a practicality perspective so you can just you can have as many brunches as you want or coffees or walks Mm -hmm. and say we want we should do something together Mm -hmm. but where does it actually begin where you think all right we need to get this much money i need to contribute this i'll do this you'll do this like can you break down the parts of those early conversations that you had as, as friends? Gosh, I think we were quite naive yeah, going we were into really it naive. and I think that was great. <laughs> we, we lived together for the first yeah. three and a... Wow. No, I think for the first four and a bit years because we lived together until July last year. And Which was also great as well. Yeah. So for the first four and a half yeah. years of the business, we lived together. Right. Yeah. So you're living and you're breathing this thing. And at the beginning, I think it was just one step ahead of the other. And we did discuss how much money would each put in and yeah. that we wanted yeah. to do this 50-50. Okay, um, yeah. And so that was fair. And it, like along the way, we discussed like, 
who should be going into the business, you know, more before someone... Because when you're self-funded, you still need an income from somewhere else. Yeah, so, yeah I hear So, you know, at the yeah. start, we're both working full-time. Then I moved part-time, working part-time on Nimble, part-time uh-huh. elsewhere. And then Vera made the transition across as well. But I guess we... It happened really quickly, I think, for us. Suddenly, I think Vera's ex-boyfriend at the time put us in touch with this branding guy we suddenly mm-hmm. had a logo we we're building a website and then mm-hmm. we're like shit we need to make some product yeah, right. on this once you have good parties <laughs> and you're literally yeah. paying the money to do stuff yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Like a, and you start telling people about this yeah. idea it's almost like if you don't do it you fail <laughs> well you're a liar yeah. Yeah. you've lied yeah. <laughs> to yourselves and to yeah. other people so when you how do you so do you either of you have a, a fashion background or a yeah so okay. I have yeah. a fashion background um, it's more in like buying and merchandising. Okay, yeah, However, yeah. I've had exposure to the fashion of side course. of the industry, which is why I think you know we're so complementary yeah, with our skill great. sets as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and are you both? So you both fairly active people. You had an Definitely. idea of what you wanted that that style or the feel mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. How do you make that a reality? How does it begin? Um. Gosh, it's a lot of. I guess turning a concept into an executed product um especially when you don't necessarily have all the factory contacts because I didn't come from an Mm. active background it Mm. was more high-end fashion um you just have to get out there and speak to a lot of suppliers we started with um giving them the same sample to make and getting everyone to make the same sample, getting it back so we could see, like, the quality difference, we're testing it, um, you know, pricing. And then, actually, at the end of the day, we ended up deciding to go with a local manufacturer. Mm -hmm, So we started mm -hmm. manufacturing in Australia and getting all of our... importing all of our fabrics offshore. Mm -hmm. So it was this, um, yeah, just talking to a lot of different factories and vendors and seeing who was aligned to your business. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hustle initially. A lot of hustle, but it doesn't cost anything to speak to people and find out information. No, Mm -hmm. that's true. That's what's really important when you're learning on a new concept or doing something new speak to as many people as you can Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. before jumping in. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Just for people listening, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time I love this podcast to be practical yeah. tips for yeah. them and I think people can be really intimidated because yeah. for me, I'm a hustler by nature. Yeah. That's something that I don't have to ask a question mm-hmm. for but I, I forget sometimes that people are shy or people yeah. are uneasy about that and I know that that's something that you have to do but how would you encourage someone that hasn't really dived into pitching for themselves yeah. before begin? Yeah, I think definitely start with an email to see what type of communication you get back. Um, You know, there's a lot you can 
find out along the email but if they're you know if they're in the same state as you or same city definitely go for a coffee if mm-hmm. someone's you know willing to have a coffee even if the lead goes nowhere but like you know you're finding out and asking questions that helps mm. benefit you on like your journey um you know like what's the worst someone can say is no mm. um mm. no or you won't get a response mm. but um you know knowledge is power and especially in the early days it's about like talking to people connecting to people finding different ways of doing things because sometimes you're only exposed to one way where you need to broaden your horizons and think of different ways of doing things because like another way might be better um and until you start yeah getting out and talking to people um yeah you just don't really think about different perspectives I don't think mm-hmm. yeah and I like I'm the same I'm a bit of a natural hustler but on the flip side if you're not out there hustling somebody else is mm. so if you want to make your dream a reality you've got to get out there like we have people now contacting us on LinkedIn and email and all of that and if, if they're coming to us with something that is relevant and something that we, hmm. we want to engage in, of course we do. And we love getting sort of cold people, like people reaching out to us cold. Of course, if it's sort of completely irrelevant and it's a blanket email that they've sent to everyone, mm. you kind of, you know, look at that with a different lens. Well, it's disconnecting. It's, yeah. Not, as, yeah, it's not as engaging. And I think that's a good thing. It's like, you know, Taylor when you're reaching out to someone, tailor it personally to them Mm. um, and what you're, you know, you want to achieve and Mm. outcomes as well. I think it's important to remember as well, and I have to remind myself this still to this day, is that when things don't come off the way you think from a meeting, you don't know what that meeting will do for you a year down the track. Absolutely. Like that person could have yeah. be thinking of you for something that they've got mm-hmm. planned for six months' time. Yeah. or yeah. So I think, yeah, I love that advice. And I also think to add to that, um, it's really great for you to put your position forward as well as ask questions because they might not have anything that suits you at that point or is the right fit for whatever it is you're looking for. But if you're clear on what you're trying to achieve, then they can take that away and they'll think of you mm-hmm. for something random. I don't know. Yeah. It could be anything that you didn't never thought about doing, yeah. which is it's an interesting thing because we think, I guess, from a networking or hustling perspective, Yes, there's an intention of what you want to get out of it, but there's so much more that often comes from it that you yeah. don't ever intend. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about um, the conversation around, again, becoming, I guess, this essentially a spokesperson for sustainability and mm. business and, and, and climate change and what you guys have learned that you would like other people to be aware of. Are there things that you've learned through this business um, journey mm. that you think is something that we should all be across? I don't know if all should be mm. across, but I mean, there's little things about what we learnt about, you know, in terms of the fabric, and I'll let Cardi speak to it more, but, you know, we use post-consumer use recycled bottles in our So for fabrics. everyone that doesn't know, and I'll explain this in the intro, but um, a, the particular fabric that you mentioned before has, you use four water bottles is it for a pair of leggings or a pair of pants six or six Six. and And then then how much for two two. for a crop top yeah which like when you start to have a think about this and you start to truly get intrigued and start asking questions hence why you guys are on the show because I am starting to really not just be curious and google but to have conversations and try and learn where I can that's just fascinating like I mean how do you how does that even work 
they in will they gather post consumer use recycled bottles they get cleaned and sorted um with just because of the fabric we make and the color it needs to be we only use clear plastic bottles that gets melted down and then turned into little pallets and then from that that has another um process where it gets um, melted down again and imagine like a shower like hose that it gets passed through to turn it into a yarn and then it gets spun into another yarn and knitted up with our fabrics so because polyester yeah because polyester is a synthetic yarn um it can actually be derived from plastic Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i think back to vera's point it's like um you know as a business owner if you are trying to make more sustainable choices just be careful of who you're trying to partner with um yes partnering with certified um suppliers is often more expensive but we live in a day and age where not everyone has proper business practices and now because of the rise of um, this type of fabric, you we hear stories of China actually manufacturing bottles that aren't post-consumer use. They're just literally manufacturing bottles to then turn so into making this, more bottles. Yeah, making more bottles just to turn oh, into fabric. So why are you thinking you're doing good? You're actually probably doing more harm. So it's it's good to know that, um, yeah, just do your due diligence on who you're going to partner with as well when making those type of business practices. And if you're here and you've got people that you're working with overseas, how do you how do you manage that? Um, well, we've got a yeah, I think get certificates, certificates, certification mm-hmm. certificates. We've got a team on the ground in Taiwan mm-hmm. who's kind of like experts in the fabric and manufacturing field so Mm -hmm. they manage a lot of the leads actually for us okay um and they yeah because i think with their expertise it's allowed us to um yeah choose who we can partner with as well Mm. um i guess if you don't have that like we do on the ground it's just um yeah you don't necessarily always have to travel over there but you know see you know a business profile see the certificates of certification and that type of thing and you could you know purchase your fabrics from a domestic supply here that you trust and build it that way mm-hmm. we certainly did that for a long time i think if you have if you want to build a sustainable business and you're kind of like us that your business is not sort of a social um, responsibility business mm. but you really want to weave this into your business there's lots of different things you can do beyond just using recycled materials like we were saying about our packaging and our mailer bags and business practices and then as the business grows more and more and you can bring it into more and more elements great um, but if if getting this full sustainability sort of tick box mm. is going to really um hold you back from starting the business in the beginning then maybe re re um assess whether it's the best choice of course if your complete business is all about social responsibility Mm -hmm. then it's a fundamental part but if it's not and you just want to make sure that you are making more sustainable choices i don't think you have to necessarily go head first in we haven't um and I think it's incredible to see the response we're getting after making these changes a couple years ago, um, but it certainly wasn't our 
core business. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point to add because I think it's, well, it's honest Mm -hmm. first and foremost, but it also means that sometimes I think we can do things with very good intentions, but uh, not really think about how you have sustainability within your finances. (laughs) Um, But how, how did you guys manage that? Because that conversation, was it ever a conversation or was, were you ready to take a step in that direction by the point that you got to because I think there is there is a, a big elephant in the room of when you talk about these things and as you said they can be more expensive there are other parts that you have to do for you to say publicly that these are the kinds of things you do and as you would know you've got a lot of interest in this particular part what has the balance been like for you to make sure that you uh, keeping your business afloat and mm-hmm. and making sure that it's as profitable and successful as, as it possibly can be for you to continue doing this type mm-hmm. of stuff. We, I think, for us, we are conscious always, but first and foremost, we're running a business. Mm. If our business collapses, everything that we've done has been in vain. Mm. So, mm. as we've grown bigger and bigger, and we're able to make these decisions, of course, we will. We're in the position now where we can justify choosing a more expensive option because it aligns with our values and what we're setting out to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been really irresponsible for us to go ahead and spend more money on things when the business couldn't support it. So it's it hasn't been a conversation that either of us have had. It's more like, uh, is our business ready? Mm-hmm. And we were at a stage. We were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. then go ahead and let's explore other options. And, you know, as long as the cost we can still justify, if it's a bit more, it's no longer just a what is the cheapest sort of option. And, and so it sounds like you had great structure from the start from a business perspective as opposed to this passion project that turns into a business because I think sometimes it can get really blurry. How do you, how would you recommend keeping a kind of a clear line of a business structure, particularly when people are trying to move a passion project or something that they are very, um, their hearts led like their work is heart led mm. but they're trying to then back up this business it could be it can be really confusing do you have any advice to people that are starting from that place i think we're still trying to navigate it through you know because our business is passion and it is a business and sometimes it is passion and it is a business but you can't have like we're so lucky to go to work in a environment that we've created with each other but fundamentally it has to be financially viable because Mm. we all have bills to pay Mm. um so if it was just a passion and we didn't have the business nous behind us we wouldn't be able to do it i mean Mm. we're not in a position where we can just rock up and sort of dilly dally and Mm. you know i think we've got employees to think about Mm. but i think thinking back to when we I think made the shift in the business it wasn't until I think we had our first employee and then quite naively again we signed a store lease in Bondi and then suddenly it's like oh wow we've got like a store to operate employees to think about and it really puts you into gear so I think my little tip is I think sometimes you just need to make the plunge to that next level that you think is going to like 
tip yeah. you over. Like I think that Bondi Beach was a really big tipping point for us in our business and then growing around that community. And um, that's when then you came across into the business full time and like things started to really, really tick Because it demanded you well. a bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. When we yeah, both went in like full time because yeah. like I was, you know, working in the business bureau was like, well, she would come home from work after being a lawyer and like would work on the business after hours. But I think we really saw that trajectory into like the right direction. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. 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 So it's almost like to turn it from passion to business, you need to be clued on a little bit and make yeah. those big decisions almost just before you feel like you're ready. You're ready. Yeah. It's the risk element, yeah, right? Like it completely the, is. Yeah. It's the risk yeah. element. Yeah, right. And it works or it doesn't. Well, but you, you've got a shot and you're not yeah. dilly-dallying, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love that word, dilly-dallying. You've used it a few times. <laughs> but it's true because I think that makes so many people are in that place. It is a hard yeah. it is a hard place to move, especially if you're a person and so many I think people of our generation really kind of like, oh, should I signed up for this? I don't want to do this. And mm. are thinking about that other startup on the yeah. side that they dilly-dally with for a long yeah. time. So it's really it's really um, inspirational to hear that you kind of lent into that. Yeah. In terms of um, your friendship and living together and doing all of this stuff together now living apart, uh, do you have to make friend dates or kind of time for your friendship or – is it now a point where this is your new evolved friendship, that this mm-hmm. business partnership is where you guys are and and that is kind of in amongst what your friendship looks like? Mm-hmm. I think we're separately really good friends as well. Yeah. And it just comes like a partnership with anything. It just comes naturally. Like we're great business partners and Vera is a gr- like my best friend. And so... It, you know, it helps that we socialise with the same friends. Yeah, so we often yeah, yeah. see each other on the weekends together. Both our partners are really good friends. So we often, like, you know, have couple dinners together or at one out, um, each other's houses. Yeah. It just happens naturally. And I think just because it is the right fit. Mm. But, yeah, we, we have interests yeah. outside of the business. And yeah. it is important that, yeah. you know, I would during the week we talk about business all the time. But, of course, there's other, oh, did you see this happen with so-and-so and and Mm -hmm. what do you think of this and let's plan this for the weekend. So it does happen naturally. But I think we're both conscious that we are friends. Mm. Yeah. That's how we came to be 15 years or whatever before we started the business. Mm. And because Mm. we do socialise and do those things separately, it does still happen. But I think, um, you know, it's work and we've learnt lots about each other throughout the years and... I think that's a nice part about it. You've mm. got someone that's got your back and, mm. you know, you're going on this journey together. Mm. I think we are really lucky that we've had each other. Mm. Um, mm. I think it's a lot harder for people doing this by themselves because it's yeah. a scary thing and it's a hard slog um, yeah. trying to start your own business and a lot of self-doubt and all of this stuff that goes with it and when you have someone else doing it with. So it's sort of like... For someone that's starting out, it doesn't have to be a business partner, but make sure you've got a support network around you and people that will encourage you to sort of keep going and people that will tell you if your idea's crap. Yeah, yeah, the honesty part. Yeah. And how do you guys go with being honest with each other? Is that something that's always been there or have you had to work hard at that? Um, I think we've always been honest with each other, but um, our communication 
skill set between one one another has improved along the way yeah. and you realize from the you early have to practice dates, that right like you com- think as friends it's just there but then it's yeah. not yeah. yeah so I think like honesty has always been there but it's communication and I think you know there's always been hurdles I think especially in the early days when you realize you don't communicate someone lets mm. things build up it just turns into a bigger thing then things are always best addressed at the time and level head with a level head mm. rather than letting it build and then, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah yeah so communication is like the number one thing between us yeah, yeah. right but it, yeah. and it's an evolving process yeah. we still have tiffs and issues and of course but that's just you know if we weren't so close mm-hmm. if we didn't care so much we wouldn't yeah yeah and you don't want to get to that you don't want to be at that point where you stop caring that's the oh, end yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well it is it I know is. I've been there I've yeah. been in partnerships you know and yeah. you start to know that when you let it go to the point where it could just end up anywhere yeah. is the, the the beginning yeah. you know yeah. where you kind of go okay this isn't my heart's not here anymore. Yeah, so right. it's true. Okay, it's that's true. a good tip for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. The, the longer you do and the more happy you are too, mm. it's, it is. It's an interesting point where you go, I could never have let this go, mm. you know, four or five, six, yeah. seven, however many years ago. Um, so moving into where we look in the future, it was an interesting um, election around such a big conversation around our environment and climate change. And essentially we... Ended up in a, a different place, and I think a lot of us thought we would in terms of uh, the party that got nominated, elected, nominated, not an Oscar, elected. Um, but with that being said, you guys have really raised that a lot of people are curious and interested in this kind of conversation. What would you like your conversation to be across the next kind of five years, and what would you like? the rest of the public and your community to, I guess, uh, walk away with what you guys are trying to say about that particular topic? Uh, on, the con- on the topic of environment? Yeah. I think it is really just about making small tweaks in your everyday life. Looking at the, the sort of landscape now, a lot of people are looking at brands as to who they have partnerships and allegiances with and they're expecting more of their brands. So we want our community to come along with us on this journey. You know, mm. I think people aren't looking at politicians and political parties to be the ones mm. driving change forward because that's not, you know, historically what's happened. And I think our generation is becoming more and more disillusioned with sort of what's happening um, at the top end of town so it is really about aligning yourself to brands and other people in your community that share your beliefs mm. so I think um, for us it's really just how do we make small changes and by doing that potentially inspire some other people to make these small changes because small changes by a lot of people it's a really big change mm. that's so true it's really true how we start to look at change within our community as opposed to it's an old school thing with we wait we wait for to be told it's okay let's go Mm. ahead it's kind of like the plebiscite right we were Mm. like well we're just going to get amongst it whether you do it or not and then it you know force the hand kind of like that risk thing you almost say it's all the balls get there and then everything Mm. just kind of drops um and personally how has the business and this conversation changed both of you or each of you in terms of how you um, think about your own personal lives and your home and how you mm-hmm. think about potentially raising a family or, or, or setting up 
is there a conversation or I suppose a different headspace that uh, the business has brought you in personally? I think just aware of your daily practices and for me it's like um, unnecessary wastes. you know it's small things like using our partner and I will always use a keep cup when we go to the coffee shop you know bags when we do our shop at Harris Farm um, our apartment building actually has a communal compost so um, and then it gets used on our communal garden, garden or veggie yeah. patches yeah. and so it's just like these small little things like you know and compost can be even part of apartments it's like I'm in an apartment I'm not in a house it's mm-hmm. like you know raise it you know if you're an apartment owner you can raise it at a body corporate meeting Mm. that you can make some little changes as well so I don't know it's just like those small little Mm. daily practices for me Mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes you slip up you know sometimes you go to the supermarket and you just need to buy some stuff and you you have to yeah Yeah. (laughs) this morning I hadn't washed my keep cup from yesterday and did I have to just use a takeaway cup yes I did but did I feel like an asshole like yes so tomorrow I certainly won't forget yeah but it's being okay with those little slip-ups because we are humans Mm. and we need to live and Mm. we're going to create waste in this world whether we like it or not Mm. you know unless you're one of a very small percentage of people of the world and it's being okay with that but making sure you know you're aware and Mm. you're doing the little things you know be conscious when you're buying clothing am I going to get value out of this or is this something that's just like you know nasty and I'm going to have it for a hot second and it'll Mm. you know no longer serve me little things like that like when you're cooking like yesterday you know a lot of the ends of vegetables that I wouldn't use are frozen it so I can put it in stock it's like little Mm. things like that Mm. yeah and I think they are little things but I think they're things that we need to start saying out loud to each other Mm. you know what I mean so I appreciate um you bringing those because it, it does feel like oh you know there's just a thing here and a thing there But the conversation isn't readily had. I think we're all kind of talking in telepathic, like we have to do something. Are you doing something? Have you got a kicker? It's because I think you're right. I think we're all a little scared of fucking up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good point to bring that no one's perfect in any part of their life. This isn't going to be a different one. And just start. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys, for the chat. Thank you for having us. I learned a lot. But I think I learned also that I probably know more than I thought and that you just have to get moving yeah you know what I mean and awareness yeah 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 but it's important to still state that I think because sometimes you need a big reminder so thank you so much and good luck with whichever way you choose to do this and your friendship bless (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys thank you This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.